Chapter Four of Subspace Survivors by E. E. Doc Smith. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. The Procyon bored on through space at one unchanging gravity of acceleration. It may not seem, at first glance, that one gravity would result in a very high velocity but when it is maintained steadily for days and weeks and months it builds up to a very respectable speed nor was there any question of power the procyon's atomics did not drive the ship but merely energized the cheaters and the cheater effect engines that tapped the energy of the expanding universe itself thus in less than six months the procyon had attained a velocity almost half that of light at the estimated midpoint of the flight the spaceship still at one gravity of drive was turned end for end so that for the ensuing five and a fraction months she would be slowing down a few weeks after the turnover adams seemed to have more time at least he devoted more time to the expectant mothers even to the point of supervising deston and jones in the construction of a weirdly wired device by means of which he studied and photographed the unborn child each woman bore he said nothing however until barbara made him talk listen you agrarious clam she said firmly i know darn well i've been pregnant for at least seven months and i ought to be twice this big our clock isn't that far off carl said that by wavelengths or something it's only about three percent fast and you've been pussyfooting around hemhawing around all this time now uncle andy i want the truth are we in for a lot of trouble trouble of course not certainly not no trouble at all my dear why you've seen the pictures here look at them again see absolutely normal fetus yours too bernice perfect no malformations of any kind yes but for what age bernice asked pointedly four months say i see i was exposed to a course of embryology myself once but that's the interesting part of it adams enthused fascinating and indubitably supremely important in fact it may point out the key datum underlying the solution of our entire problem if this zeta field is causing this seemingly peculiar biological effect that gives us a tremendously powerful new tool for certain time vectors in the generalized matrix become perimeters thus certain determinants notably all-important delta prime sub mu become manipulable by but you aren't listening i'm listening pops but nothing is coming through but thanks much anyway i feel a lot better knowing that i'm not going to give birth to a monster or are you really sure of course i'm sure adam snapped testily and barbara led deston aside have you got the slightest idea of what he was talking about she asked just the slightest if any either that time is relative no that it's so elementary he wouldn't mention it maybe he's figured out a variable time of some kind or other anyway you girls slowness in producing has given the old boy a big lift and i'm mighty glad of it but aren't you worried sweetheart not even in the least little bit of course not and deston very evidently meant just that but i am i can't help but be why aren't you because doc isn't and he knows his stuff believe me he can't lie any better than a three-year-old and he's sure that all four of you are just as safe as though you were in god's left-hand hip pocket oh that's right i never thought of it that way so i don't have anything to worry about do i 
She lifted her lips to be kissed, and the kiss was long and sweet. Time flew past until, one day a couple of weeks short of arrival, Adams pushed up to Deston and Jones. "'I have it!' he shouted, and began to spout a torrent of higher, very much higher, mathematics. "'Hold it, Doc!' Deston held up an expostulatory hand. "'I read you zero and ten. Can't you delouse your signal? Whittle the stuff down to our size?' "'Well?' The scientist looked hurt, but did consent to forego the high math. The discharge is catastrophic. The energy equivalents something in the order of a magnitude of ten thousand discharges of lightning, and unfortunately I do not know what it is. It is virtually certain, however, that we will be able to dissipate it in successive decrements by use of long, thin leads extending toward a high point of the planet. Wire, you mean? What kind? The material is not important, except that it should have sufficient tensile strength to support as many miles as possible of its own length. We've got dozens of coils of hookup wire, Deston said, but not too many miles, and it's soft stuff. Gram wire, Jones snapped his finger. Of course, Deston agreed. Hundreds of miles of it. Float the sensor down on a Hotchkiss. Tear out, Jones objected. Bailey it, spidered out to twenty or so big flat feet. That'll take metal, but we can cannibal the whole middle without weakening the structure. Sure. Surges, backlash, remote it. Check. Remote everything to baby two and— Would you mind delousing your signal? Adams asked caustically. Excuse, please, Doc. A guy does talk better in his own lingo, doesn't he? Well, gram wire is a 1.3 millimeter diameter, ultra-high tensile steel wire, used for rewrapping the grams, you know. No, I don't know. What are grams? Why, they're the intermediates between the cheaters. Okay, okay, there's something like bottles, that have to stand terrifically high pressures. That's what I want to know. Such wire will do very nicely. Note now that our bodies must be grounded very thoroughly to the metal of the ship. You're so right. We'll wrap the girls in silver mesh underwear up to the eyeballs, and run leads as big as my wrist to the frame. The approach was made, and the fourth planet out from that strange sun was selected as a ground. The planet was not at all like Earth. It had very little water, very little atmosphere, and very little vegetation. It was twice as massive as Earth. Its surface was rugged and jagged. One of its stupendous mountain ranges had sharp peaks more than forty thousand feet high. "'There's one thing we must do,' Adam said. "'I have barely begun to study this Zeta field.' and this one may very well be unique, irreplaceable. We must therefore launch all the life craft, except number two, of course, into separate orbits around this sun, so that a properly staffed and properly equipped expedition can study it. Your proper expedition might get its pants burned off, too. There's always that possibility, but I will insist on being assigned to the project. This information, young man, is necessary. Okay, Doc and it was done, and in a few days the Procyon hung motionless a good five hundred miles high, directly above the highest, sharpest mountain peak they had been able to find. The Bailey Boom, with its spider-like web network of grounding cables and with a large pulley at its end, extended two hundred feet straight out from the side of the ship. A twenty-five-mile coil of gram wire was mounted on the remote-controlled Hotchkiss reel. The end of the wire was run out over the pulley. A fifteen-pound weight, to act as a sensor, and to keep the wire from fouling, was attached. 
and a few hundred feet of wire were run out. Then, in Lifecraft too, as far away from the business district as they could get, the human bodies were grounded, and Destin started the reel. The wire ran out, and ran, and ran, and ran. The full twenty-five miles were paid out, and still nothing happened. Then very slowly Destin let the big ship move straight downward, until finally it happened. There was a blast beside which the most terrific flash of lightning ever seen on earth would have seemed like a firecracker. In what was almost a vacuum though she was, the whole immense mass of the Procyon was hurled upward like a cork out of a champagne bottle. And as for what felt like, since the five who experienced it could never describe it even to each other, it is obviously indescribable by or to anyone else. As Bernice said long afterward, when she was being pressed by a newsman, just tell em it was the living end, and that it was as good a description as any. The girls were unwrapped from their silver mesh cocoons, and after a minute or so of semi-hysterics were as good as new. Then Destin stared out into the scope and gulped. Without saying a word, he waved a hand, and the others looked. It seemed as though the entire tip of the mountain was gone, had become a seething, flaming volcano on a world that had known no volcanism for hundreds of thousands of years. And what? said Destin finally. Do you suppose happened to the other side of the ship? The boom, of course, was gone. So were all twenty of the grounding cables, which, each the size of a man's arm, had found out in all directions to anchorages welded solidly to the vessel's skin and frame. The anchorages, too, were gone, and tons upon tons of high-alloy steel plating and structural members for many feet around where each anchorage had been. Steel had run like water had been blown away in gusts of vapor. "'Shall I try the radio now, Doc?' Destin asked. "'By no means. This first blast would, of course, be the worst. But there will be several more of decreasing violence.' There were. The second, while it volatized the boom, and its grounding network merely fused portions of the anchorages. The third took only the boom itself. The fourth took only the dangling miles of wire. At the sixth trial, nothing apparently happened. Whereupon the wire was drawn in, and two hundred-pound mass of steel was lowered until it was in firm and quiescent contact with the solid rock of the planet. "'Now you may try your radio,' Adams said. Destin flipped a switch and spoke quietly but clearly into a microphone. "'Procyon 1 to Control 6. Flight 849. Subspace radio test 95, I think.' How do you read me, Control-6?" The reply was highly unorthodox. It was a wild yell, followed by words not directed at Destin at all. "'Captain Reamer! Captain French! Captain Holloway! Anybody! It's the Procyon! The Procyon that was lost a year ago, unless some fool is playing a dumb joke!' "'It's no joke, I hope!' Another voice, crisp and authoritative, came in, growing louder as its source approached the distant pickup or somebody will rot in jail for a hundred years. Procyon 1 to Control 6, Destin said again, his voice not quite steady this time. Both girls were crying openly and joyfully. How do you read me, French, old horse? This is Procyon 1, the runt himself. Hi, babe, the new voice roared, then quieted to a normal volume. I read you eight and one. Survivors? Five. Second Officer Jones, our wives, and Dr. Andrew Adams, a fellow of the College of Advanced Study. He's solely responsible for our being here, so—' "'Skip that for now. 
In a life craft? No, after this long it must be the ship. Not navigable, of course. Not in subspace, and only so-so in normal. The cheaters are okay, but the whole top is spun out and the rest of her won't hold air. Air hell. She won't hold shipping crates. All the Wesleys are shot, and all the Q converters. Half the grams are leaking like sieves, and— Skip that, too. Just a sec. I'll cut in the downstairs recorder. Now start at your last check and tell us what happened since. It's a long story. Unwind it, Runt. I don't give a damn how long it is. Not a full detail report. Just hit the high spots, but don't leave anything really important out. Wow, Jones remarked audibly. What a man Frenchy. Like the ex-urbanite said to the gardener, I don't want you to work hard. Just take big shovelfuls and lots of them per minute. That's enough out of you, Herc, my boy. You'll be next. Go ahead, babe. Deston went ahead and spoke almost steadily for thirty minutes. He did not mention the gangsters or any personal matters. Otherwise his report was accurate and complete. He had no idea that everything he said was going out on an earthwide hookup, or that many other planets monitoring constantly all subspace channels were hooking on. When he was finally released, Captain French said with a chuckle, "'Off the air for a minute. You have no idea what an uproar this has stirred up already. They let them have all your stuff, but we aren't putting out a thing until some brass gets out here and gets the real story.' "'That is the real story, damn it!' "'Oh, sure, and a very nice job, too, for an extemporaneous effort, if it was. Semantics says, though.' Then in a couple of spots it smells like slightly rancid cheese, and no, no, keep still. Too many planets listening in. Verbum sap. Anyway, the press smells something, too, and they're screaming their lungs out, especially the Sob Sisters. Now, Herc, on the air, you're orbiting the fourth planet of the sun. What sun? Where? I don't know. Unlisted. We're in completely unexplored territory. Standard reference angles are as follows and Jones read off a long list of observations, not only the brightest stars of the galaxy, but also the standard reference points, such as Esdoradus, laying outside it. When you get that stuff all plotted, you'll find a hell of a big confusion. But I hope there aren't enough stars in it, but what you can find us sometime. Off the air for good, I hope. Don't make me laugh, Buster. Your probable center will spirit. If there's ever more than one star in any confusion, you set it up. I'll eat all the extras. But there's a dozen big brains here, gnawing their nails off up to the wrist to talk to Adams all the rest of the night. So put him on and let's get back to sleep, huh? They're cutting this mic now. Just a minute, Deston snapped. What's your time? 3.14.37. So go back to bed, you night-prowling owl. What day, month, and year? Deston insisted. Friday, Sep. French's voice was replaced by a much older one very evidently that of a fellow of the college. After listening for a moment to the newcomer in Adams, Barbara took Deston by the arm and led him away. Just a little bit of that gibberish is a bountiful sufficiency, husband mine, so I think we'd better take Captain French's advice, don't you? Since there was only one star in Joan's confusion, by the book, Volume of Uncertainty, finding the Procyon was no problem at all. High brass came in quantity, and the entire story, except for one bit of biology, was told. Two huge subspace-going machine shops also came, and a thousand mechanics who worked on the crippled liner for almost three weeks. 
then the procyon started back for earth under her own space drive under the command of captain theodore jones his first last and only subspace command of course since he was now a married man deston had wanted to resign while still a first officer but his superiors would not accept his resignation until his promotion for outstanding services came through thus ex-captain carlyle deston and his wife were deadheading not quite back to earth but to the transfer point for the planet of new mars theodore warner deston is going to be born on new mars where he should be barbara had said and deston had agreed but suppose she's a theodora bernice had twitted her uh-huh barbara said calmly i just know he's a theodore uh-huh i know bernice had nodded her spectacular head and we wanted a girl so she is barbara bernice jones her name is a living doll although both pregnancies were well advanced neither was very near full term thus it was clear that both periods of gestation were going to be well over a year in length but none of the five persons who knew it so much as mentioned the fact to adams it was only one tiny datum in an incredibly huge and complex mathematical structure the parents did not want to be pilloried as crackpots as public seeking liars or as being unable to count and they knew that nobody would believe them if they told the truth even or especially no medical doctor the more any doctor knew about gynecology and obstetrics in fact the less he would believe any such story as theirs of what use is it to put such puny and trivial things as facts against rock-ribbed iron-bound entrenched authority the five however knew and deston and jones had several long and highly unsatisfactory discussions at first with adams and later between themselves at the end of the last such discussion a couple of hours out from the transporter point jones lit a cigarette savagely and rasped wherever you start or whatever your angle of approach he always boils it down to this subjective time is measured by the number of learning events experienced i ask you babe what does that mean if anything it sounds like it ought to mean something but i'll be damned if i know what deston gazed thoughtfully at the incandescent tip of his friend's cigarette however if it makes the old boy happy and gives the college a toehold on subspace what do we care end of chapter four by e e doc smith recording by kirk ziegler ogden utah voiceovers by kirk dot com end of subspace survivors by e e doc smith